0: Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now you'll start to see Fable and Folly Network shows are offering bonus content to all existing and new supporters. Find exclusive new episodes from shows like Where the Stars Fell, The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, and Civilized. Plus, early access to new episodes of Midnight Burger. All still entirely ad-free.
1: Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written and performed by black creatives from all over the world. This week, a little girl's wish comes true. Or so she believes. But before we get to having a man in the house, I want to take a moment to say thanks to our newest patrons, Andrea and Deja. Thanks also to Zanique for making a one-time donation via PayPal. Nightlight will be produced year-round thanks to the Nightlight Legion, and now we'd love to bring you new episodes every single week. Just go to patreon.com slash nightlightpod to join the Nightlight Legion and get a shout out on the podcast. And don't forget, Nightlight merch is available and you can support us by sporting Nightlight branded gear. Just go to merch.nightlightpod.com to get your t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more. Now sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy Upstairs, written by Tanana Reeve du, narrated by me, Tanya Ransom.
0: Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today.
1: Noelle Amani Bonner was not easily frightened. Her fearlessness was part of her family's folklore, the cause of more than one frantic trip to the emergency room. Last summer, at four, she'd knocked out two baby teeth riding on her brother's bicycle handlebars at the instant a fence greeted them at the bottom of the hill on Potter's Road. Noelle had also suffered stitches on her forehead and a tetanus shot, which, all told, were still mild compared to the consequences to her brother, though the crash itself had left him unmarred. Noelle also had an affinity for insects that went counter to all myths about what little girls and boys are made of. With quick, unflinching fingers, Noelle could catch moths, caterpillars, and a spindly-legged species of spider as big as her hand that her father called a daddy long Legs. The elegant spiders were her favorite plaything since her father had quashed her sister's claims that they were poisonous. Her big-mouthed brother gagged and swatted her away when she dangled a spider in front of him and dared him to touch it. Even as the youngest, a full three years behind Sierra and four years behind Victor, Noelle had no equal in boldness. For all her parents' worry, neither of them took any joy from the thought of trying to teach Noelle fear. They remembered life at five, how much happiness came from small discoveries, and how foreign the concept of danger was, so they weren't in a hurry for their last child to grow up. She was old enough to keep her fingers away from light sockets, and she no longer tried to pour strange powders from the kitchen cabinet into her mouth, so the consensus was to let Noelle be Noelle, which was fine, of course, with Noelle. Noelle's favorite spot in her family's two-story wood frame house was the attic. All the other rooms to Noelle were lifeless, but the attic. There were secret lives in the attic, things that scurried and rustled whenever she opened the door. Noelle made it her business to try to discover what those things were, and, in fact, she'd once chased a small black mouse until it vanished behind the box of Christmas tree decorations. A few of her long-legged spiders lived in the attic, too. In the main part of the house, they would be attacked with a slipper or a newspaper, but no one bothered the spiders in the attic. Noelle saw to this. She wasn't permitted to supervise any other part of the house, even the bedroom she shared with Sierra. But the attic and its inhabitants were hers. The attic was just beyond the whitewashed door at the end of the upstairs hallway, a door that was kept closed but never locked. Victor had accidentally locked himself in the attic when he was six, screaming himself hoarse to be let out. So that was the end of the lock's tenure on the attic door, as well as the end of any inclination of Victor to spend time there. Noelle, on the other hand, could spend hours in the attic. She'd already decided that when she grew up, she was going to live there, and she wouldn't have to come down, even if it was time for dinner or church, and especially not bed. She visited as often as she could. The dull wooden stairs leading to the attic, which were much steeper than the carpeted steps to the first floor, required special attention and a tight grip on the handrail. The light bulb had burned out long ago, so the only light in the attic was natural, from windows facing four directions. Three of the windows were swathed by tree branches, which Noelle liked because it made her feel like she'd been swallowed inside a giant treehouse. And the space! Maybe that was the most important thing of all. The attic was cluttered, yes. In the middle of the floor, there were heaps of camping equipment, most of it still in boxes and every discarded piece of furniture from the house. But the attic was the only room that wasn't interrupted by walls, stretching endlessly from one end of the house to the other. To Noelle, it was luxurious, mysterious, wonderful. An empire. So frankly, Noelle was not terribly surprised when she made her way up there one Sunday afternoon and happened to find a man lying asleep under the old dining room table. He was sleeping on a pile of blankets, and she could see newspapers peeking underneath that he'd spread for extra cushioning. The man was snoring very softly, not nearly as loud as her father would. He was growing a beard that wasn't coming in right, so some parts of his face, which was very skinny, almost pointy, still looked pink and bare. The man was sleeping here exactly the way Noelle had imagined she would one day, and she crouched down near the table to get a better look. Her heart flew with excitement. This was her finest discovery in the attic yet. As if he could hear the cries of delight in her mind, the man opened his eyes wide. His eyes were blue, a clear kind of eye Noelle had never seen before. The eyes looking at her did not blink even once. In a hurry, the man scooted himself from underneath the table so he could sit up straight and give his broad shoulders more room. He was bigger than he'd seemed when he was curled up in a ball. His strange eyes squinted down at her. Hello, Noelle said. Are you the man in the house? The eyes narrowed more, and the man's head angled toward her, the way their neighbor's dog did when Victor opened his mouth wide and made his invisible dog sound, the kind only dogs could hear. Mommy said yesterday she wishes there were a man in the house because a bad thing happened, and I told her to throw a penny in the birdbath and it would come true. Are you the man? Where's your daddy? the man said. His voice was rumbly, like the sound a bicycle makes riding over rocks. He's on a trip, for his job. Oh, okay, the man said. He smiled at her for the first time. His teeth weren't white like Noelle's. They were the color of mustard. But then, she remembered, he couldn't brush his teeth up here because there was no sink. What bad thing was your mama talking about? Noelle shrugged. Something in the newspaper, something on the television, something her mother and the next-door neighbor Mrs. Rigby talked about in the kitchen that morning in their grown-up voices, the kind Noelle wasn't meant to hear. Besides, her mother's name was Mommy, not Mama. Strangers always got that wrong. I don't know, she said. Did somebody get hurt? The man said. Somebody right here in this neighborhood, about two blocks over? Maybe. Noel said. And did somebody do bad things to them? Ugly things? I don't know, Noel said again. Unlike Sierra, who thought she was so mature, Noel wasn't interested in grown-up conversations. Well, since your daddy's not home and I'm the only man here, then I guess that makes me the man in the house, he said. He reached into his pocket for a cigarette and lit it with a red Bic lighter. The flame almost jumped up to his nose. No smoking in the house, Noël said. Ain't in the house. We're in the attic. Besides, the window's open, the man said, pointing over his shoulder. The window was not only open, it was broken, Noël noticed. The tree branch from outside had stuck its way in and was rubbing against the window frame in a breeze with sad-sounding squeaks. There were big pieces of glass on the floorboards. Did you do that? Noel asked. By accident, I guess I did. I knew this was the house where the wish came from, and I climbed up the tree to get in, but then the window was locked. Hell of a thing. Guess I'll have to fix it when I leave. When are you leaving? The man touched the hair on top of his head, then ran his palm down until it reached his neck, and then his shoulder. He had very long hair, almost like an Indian's, except it was light brown and curly. He blew smoke into the air. When's your daddy coming home? In three days, Noelle said. On Wednesday. That's a long time to be gone. Your daddy always traveling like that, leaving you and your mama with no man in the house? No, he had another job before, she said. Oh yeah, it's hard getting work. People don't make wishes like they used to. I'm glad your mama did, because here I am, just like that. He winked. That bad thing had to happen first, but that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes, Noel repeated. She liked the way the man had said that, his voice flying up into sing-song. The man looked at Noel very closely, as though he hadn't really noticed her before. How old are you? he asked. Noel held up five fingers. Victor told her she was too old to keep doing that, that she should just say it aloud, but she'd decided to wait until she was six for that. Fingers were easier. You ain't scared of me, huh? The man asked. Noelle shook her head. He grinned. He put his cigarette back in his mouth, and the end of it glowed bright orange. Imagine that, the man said, blowing smoke out of his nose. Noelle wondered if the smoke tickled his nose hairs. Know what? That's the whole difference between devils and angels. Not being afraid. Did you know that? Noelle shook her head again. What's your name? Noelle Imani Bonner. Noelle? Like Christmas? Noelle nodded. Yep. What's your name? Chris Kringle, the man said. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, Noelle said, giggling. Peter Pan. That's not a name for somebody in real life. Did you forget already? I'm not from real life. Your real name is Peter Pan? No, just Peter, the man said, and he reached out his hand for Noel to shake it, the way grown-ups did. Noel felt his big hand wrap around hers, with his skin that felt rough and scratchy. He held her tight. Pleasure, little lady. Will you stay until my daddy comes back? Peter didn't let go of Noel's hand, even though he wasn't shaking it up and down anymore. He looked straight into her eyes, and she knew he was about to say something important. I want you to pay real close attention, Noel," he said. She could smell the smoke on his breath. I'ma stay here as long as I can, but you can't tell anybody, and I mean anybody, I'm up here. If you do, the wish goes away. You won't have a man in the house anymore, and something bad will definitely happen here, too. I've got a very strong feeling about that. Ever get hunches?" Noelle shook her head. She didn't. Or maybe she did, but she didn't know what they were. Well, we don't want that to happen. We want only angels in that attic, Noelle. Will you help me do that? Noelle said she would. She promised she wouldn't say anything about the smoking or the broken window, and she'd try to make sure nobody came to the attic but her. She was proud of herself because she thought of everything to keep the secret. I want you to do something for me, too, he said, finally letting go of her hand after she'd made her promises. I want you to go downstairs right now and grab me a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. Don't forget a knife. I'm not allowed to touch knives, Noelle said. Not the sharp kind, the other kind. Don't let nobody see you. I want you to go down and do that right now. As you can see, there ain't no food up here, none at all. Noelle didn't have a chance to tell him that she was going to move into this attic when she grew up, and when she did, she would have a refrigerator full of food. She would tell him that later, she decided. For now, she wanted to turn around and go really fast to do what Peter said. Thank you very much, little lady, Peter said. We're going to be good friends, you and me. You'll see. Okay, Noelle said and she laid her index finger across her lips so he would be quiet before she got to the stairs. Noelle had never kept a secret before, not a big secret, and she discovered it was hard work. At dinner, sitting at the table with Victor and Sierra and her mother, she couldn't stop thinking about how there was a man in the house right above their heads, eating peanut butter sandwiches, smoking cigarettes, and sleeping under the old dining room table. Noelle's brain wanted to say it every time she opened her mouth, Just to see how surprised they would be. Just to prove to our mother that wishes could work. To prove to Victor that the attic was special, like she said. And to prove to Sierra that she wasn't a baby. Because how could she be a baby if she alone was in charge of the man in the house? The secret was making her bounce up and down in her chair until it squeaked. Stop that, Noelle, her mother said. And Noelle stopped bouncing because she didn't want to give the secret away. Noelle planned to climb up and say goodnight to Peter before it was completely dark and she would have to go to bed, but her mother stuck her head out of her bedroom doorway just as Noelle was making a dash for the attic door. No, Noelle, it's too late to go up there with no lights, her mother said, and Sierra gave Noelle a look as she padded out of the bathroom in her snoopy slippers. Sierra smelled like Crest. You are too weird for words, Sierra said to her. Victor leaped out of his room, across the hall from theirs, blocking Noelle's path in the hall. He was making an ugly face. I'm gonna cut off both your arms. I'm the mangler, he said. He was curving his fingers like claws, slashing them near her eyes. What's a mangler? Noelle asked him, not scared at all. Hush, Victor, the mother said, in a voice that meant business. When Noelle looked at her mother's face, she could see how worried she was. The same way she'd looked when she'd tossed a penny in the birdbath in the backyard, beneath the tree whose highest branches were now poking through the broken attic window. Mom, that freak's in Mexico by now, I bet, Victor said. I told you to hush. Go downstairs and double-check the door, smart mouth. Don't forget the kitchen. Don't worry, Mommy, Noelle said before she kissed her mother's cheek. Nothing bad will happen here. When Noelle got home from school on Monday, the toilet seat was up in their hallway bathroom and there were little brown hairs in the sink. Noelle closed the toilet all the way and turned on the water in the sink to wash the hairs away. She sniffed the air to see if she could smell smoke, but she couldn't. Victor! Sierra screamed from downstairs like bloody murder. What? Victor was already up in his room. Where's my chicken? I told you I was saving it! When Sierra yelled, her voice carried through the house. She'd had two wings left over from Popeye's yesterday, when their mother bought them lunch after taking Daddy to the airport. Sierra never ate all of her food. I didn't take your stank, chick, Victor started to shout back, but then Mommy's voice came loudest of all from downstairs, telling them to stop all that yelling in the house. Mommy was always in a bad mood on Mondays, especially the Mondays when Daddy was gone. All day at school, Noelle had been afraid the man in the house would be gone when she came home, a make-believe dream. She didn't get up early enough in the morning to go say hello to him, so she had to wait all day long. Now Victor was in his room, and Mommy and Sierra were downstairs. This was her chance. Noelle opened the attic door, closed it behind her, and ran up the stairs so fast she nearly lost her balance. Peter wasn't in his bed under the table, but Noelle saw the Popeye's box full of bones on the floor. She looked toward the window to see if he'd fixed it, like he said he would when he left. It was still broken, but the tree branch had been pushed back outside. There were dry, dying leaves on the floor now, on top of the broken glass. "'That you, little lady?' the voice said from behind her. He looked so different. His beard was gone, and he'd cut his hair much shorter than before. He looked like an angel, for real. He was standing flat against the wall near the stairs, where he'd been hiding from her. Peter was taller than Daddy, taller than any man she'd known. I thought you left, she said, relieved. Wouldn't do that without saying a proper goodbye. He was holding something behind his back, but Noelle couldn't see what, since it was pressed between his back and the wall. You came downstairs, Noelle said, grinning. Sure did. Had to check the place over, get a bite. My sister's mad. About what? You ate her chicken. Peter made a sad face and sighed. Damn, I'm sorry about that. I didn't know it was hers. I thought it was for me. It's okay, Noel said, so he wouldn't feel bad. Peter didn't move away from the wall. She wondered why he was standing up instead of sitting down, like before. You can't come out now. We're home. She told him. So I see. You and your sister and your brother Victor? How'd you know his name? He didn't answer. You've got a nice family, Noel," he said. He was speaking softly today because the door was so close. Noel nodded. She wondered if the man was hot because his forehead was full of sweat and it was dripping down his face. Too bad there was no air conditioning in the attic. You're taking real good care of me. Thank you, he said. You're welcome. You're a whole lot nicer than the last family I stayed with. Were they mean? Very mean, Peter said. Very. What did they do? You would be shocked, Peter said. "Nah, uh Noel said, feeling certain shocked must mean the same thing as scared, which she definitely would not be. Well... He sighed staring up at the ceiling. Noelle stared up, too. She saw the beams crisscrossing above her, how the ceiling jutted upward into sharp points. First of all, one of them hit me. Right in my face. I got a bruise. See? He turned his face sideways so Noelle could see better. Sure enough, she saw a dark mark beneath his eye. It was like the mark she'd had on her forehead when she crashed on Victor's bicycle. That time she got stitches... It looked like it hurt. Why did they do that? Because they were scared, Peter said. What did I tell you? It ruins everything when people are scared. You're just making small talk, keeping them company, looking out for things, and then they go and hit you. That's not very nice, is it? No, Noel said. I didn't think so either, Noel. Did you hit them back? That I did. Peter said. I didn't want to, but with the position they put me in, well, that changed everything. Anyway, they said they were sorry. It took a little time, but they apologized just like they should. Through the closed door below, Noelle heard Victor calling. She couldn't understand everything he was saying through the door, but she heard her name. That's you, little lady, Peter said. I'll be back, Noelle promised. Wouldn't do that if I were you. Not today. Not today. They'll think it's funny, you poking around up here. I'll be fine. Come back and see me again tomorrow. And remember, keep quiet. Tomorrow was so far away. Tomorrow was the last day before Daddy would come home. Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday. Noelle started to argue, but Peter was holding his gaze steady, so she knew he wouldn't change his mind. And he would think she was a baby if she started to cry. Can I see what's behind your back? She whispered. Victor called her again, this time closer to the attic door. He was saying Mommy wanted her, and she'd better come out. Go on, Noelle, Peter said. He wasn't smiling anymore. His voice, like his clean-shaven face, wasn't anything like it had been before. Tuesday, for Noelle, was torture. She got up very early, before the sun was even shining very bright. But Mommy was up before her and wanted to braid her hair. That took all of her extra morning time. After school, Mommy took them to the mall because Victor needed a uniform for his band concert. Then they shopped for groceries. Noelle got in trouble for being irritable. She sucked her teeth at her mother at the grocery store. It was almost time for dinner by the time they got home. Where are you going? Mommy said from the kitchen when she saw Noelle climbing upstairs. Not that attic. Come back down here and help Sierra and Victor set the table. Noelle wanted to scream and stamp her feet like she used to when she was younger, but she didn't. Mommy wouldn't like that, and then maybe she wouldn't be able to see Peter at all. Victor, who was watching TV in the family room instead of helping like he was supposed to, flipped from Tom and Jerry to the six o'clock news. The volume was too loud. On Sunday, when a nine-year-old
0: Magnolia Park boy and his mother were slain, and his father-
1: Mom, Victor isn't setting the table sierra complained victor victor ignored sierra they're talking about it mom victor called into the kitchen so you still have to help us sierra said when their mother came out of the kitchen noel couldn't tell from her face whether or not she was mad she walked straight to the family room and stood beside victor to stare at the television set her pinky was hooked to the side of her mouth On the screen, between where her mother and Victor stood, Noelle saw part of a cartoon drawing of a man, with long hair and a beard. Any information, please contact the police. No, Noelle, Sierra corrected her, tugging a fork out of her hand. Forks go on the other side. You're not paying attention. Considered
0: mentally disturbed and extremely dangerous.
1: What's mentally disturbed? Noel asked Sierra. You? Sierra said, probably because she didn't know herself. Mom walked over to the television set and turned it off. She sighed, wiping her hands on the dish towel she was carrying. I'm glad your father's coming back tomorrow, she said. And here we thought moving to Magnolia Park would be safer than the city. Don't worry, Mommy, there's... Noel began, and she had to stop herself from saying, a man in the house because she remembered her promise at the very last second. But Noelle also felt bad, because she wondered for the first time if her mother would be mad at her for keeping a secret. Especially a secret about someone smoking upstairs, because she had allergies. What if Peter's cigarette smoke got in the air and made her mother's eyes start watering? Noelle hadn't considered that before. Let's just eat. No more talk about the mangler, her mother said. Noel didn't ask again what a mangler was. Instead, she said, Mommy, can I play in the attic after dinner? Maybe for a little while, sweetheart, before it gets dark. And Noel was glad, but not as happy as she'd felt yesterday, or even when she'd first come running back into the house full of anticipation to see Peter. She didn't hurry as she ate her food. She wished Wednesday would hurry up and come. I've been waiting for you, little lady. Peter said. He was stretched out across a sleeping bag, his hands folded behind his head. Noelle wondered where he'd found the sleeping bag until she saw the camping boxes thrown to the side, with styrofoam and cardboard in the middle of the floor. It was a mess. She also noticed a box of crackers, two bags of potato chips, and empty cans of tuna on the floor. Peter must have gotten this food from the pantry for himself while they were gone. Noelle was surprised Mommy hadn't noticed. "'Mommy wouldn't like someone taking all their food.' "'It's almost Wednesday,' Noel said. "'Absolutely.' "'That's when my daddy comes home, and the wish is over.' "'Peter grinned. "'When he sat up, Noel noticed he didn't smell very good. "'Why didn't he take a bath while they were gone, too?' "'She stepped away from him. "'You took our food,' she said. "'Got hungry, little lady. Hope you don't mind.' Was that the same as saying he was sorry? Noelle wasn't sure. "'And you have to fix the window,' she reminded him. This time, Peter laughed. It was a laugh she didn't like, one similar to Victor's laugh when he was making fun of her. In fact, Peter was laughing as though she'd just told him a joke. He stood up, stretching out his long legs and reaching his arms high over his head. He could almost touch the ceiling, he was so tall. "'Got to fix the window.' That's like the other house, the broken window. That's what woke everybody up. It was early, see? I was just stopping in to look things over, get some food. Seems like you can never get enough food, you know? You always need more. But I fixed the window all right, Noelle. Suddenly, Noelle felt something twisting inside her stomach. Something that was making all of her skin feel thin and tingly. Right beside the empty tuna fish tin nearest her feet, she saw three spiders. Three. Squashed. All of them. Dead. Their long, black legs were crushed and bent. Before she knew it, there were tears in her eyes. "'What are you looking at, Noel? Peter asked. Noel didn't answer him. She couldn't. Her mind was wrapped tight, and she felt as though she wouldn't be able to stand up with her knees straight for one more minute." Ah, oh, Noel, Peter said softly, bending down to try to see her face better. He shook his head. Noel, Noel, thought you were going to help keep an angel in the attic. Angels, remember? No devils. I don't like to see you cry like that. Noel pointed at the floor. What, tuna fish? he said. You killed the spiders, she said. Her voice was shaking. This man had come in the house and broken the window, and he'd eaten their food without asking first. And then he'd stepped on the spiders, her spiders, and killed them in the attic, where they were allowed to live. Daddy didn't even put bug spray in the attic. This was their place to be safe. You bet I did. Those big, creepy... You shouldn't kill things, Noelle said. You're not supposed to do that. They didn't hurt anybody. She'd never talked to a grown-up this way, in this big, bossy voice, but she couldn't help it. Besides, Peter wasn't a regular grown-up. He wasn't like any other grown-up she knew. Peter's mouth was open, but he wasn't grinning or laughing anymore. He looked down at the spiders, then back up at Noel. Well, hell, little lady. I thought they were poisonous. You got to kill something first before it kills you, right? Noel didn't answer Peter. It was too late to explain to him what Daddy had said about these spiders. That they were just big and ugly to most people. But they were probably more scared of people than people were of spiders. And three of them were gone now. Noel wondered if it had hurt when Peter's foot crunched down on them. My daddy will be here tomorrow. He's coming real early. He's taking me to school. This was a lie only one of several Noel had told in the past couple of days because she knew very well that her father wouldn't be home until dinner time but Noel didn't feel bad about lying to Peter because it wasn't the same as lying to her mother it wasn't the same at all so you have to go tonight before he gets here it's almost dark you have to go Peter leaned down and turned his head to look at her as if he could see all the way through her like an x-ray machine Noel had seen x ray pictures in the hospital. Peter was quiet for a long time. Then he said, You scared of me, Noel? No, Noel said, because she wasn't. But it's time for you to go now, because I say so. With a sigh, Peter straightened up, shoving his hands into his pockets. I'm real sorry about those spiders, Noel. And he really did sound sorry. Okay. Noel said. Goodbye. You have to go. Noel didn't stay to hear Peter say goodbye back, or to see if he was going to clean up the mess he'd made. Maybe it was the food smelling rotten, or because Peter hadn't had a bath, or the sight of the bloody spiders mashed on the floor, but Noel felt very sick to her stomach. Her knees were acting up so badly that she had to climb down the stairs very slowly, because she was afraid she might trip. She knew she would be crying, really crying by the time she got to the door, and she didn't want Peter to hear her. "'Well, kid,' Peter called after her. "'If you say I gotta go, then I gotta go. "'Sure, I'm sorry you're sore, though. "'I'm real sorry about that.'" Noelle went to bed early, and her mother put a cold washcloth across her head and told her maybe the food she'd cooked had been bad. That night, before she went to sleep, Noelle listened to the trees and the wind and tried to tell if any of the bumps against the house were footsteps or just tree branches. She didn't hear any breaking glass. She barely heard anything at all. Noelle tried not to think about the man in the attic the next day, but that night, after she'd fought Sierra for a spot on Daddy's knee and told him what she'd done in school while he was gone, Noelle finally went upstairs. The sleeping bag was still spread out on the floor, but the boxes were stacked neatly where they'd been, and the blankets and newspaper under the dining room table were gone. The food wrappers and empty tins had also been cleaned away. And, she noticed, the dead spiders were gone too, except for faint blood stains where they'd been. At the broken window, the tree branch outside was snapped at the end and hung limply, stripped of leaves. Noelle sat in the middle of the attic floor. All she heard was the quiet, like last night in her bed. She didn't hear any of her hidden playmates rustling or scurrying around her the way she used to. Maybe all of the mice and spiders had been scared away. Noelle? It was her mother's voice, calling from near the door. She knocked twice, hard. Lord, child, come down from there before you break your neck. It's getting dark. And it was, Noelle noticed. It was getting so dark, she couldn't make out any of the alphabet letters printed on the empty boxes around her. She couldn't see the lines between the planks of wood on the walls. She couldn't see the highest point of the ceiling, where it became a tip. It didn't seem like the same attic, in fact. It was ugly. Why had she ever wanted to live here? Noelle hadn't noticed exactly when all her plans and hopes for the attic first began to go away, but now they were just gone. She couldn't think of why she'd ever wanted to stay up here in a dusty, dark attic all alone. Noelle jumped up toward the sliver of light coming from beneath the attic door. She didn't run. But she walked very, very fast. Looking toward her feet, she saw the fluorescent green glowing from her untied shoelace, which was flopping loose, and she reminded herself she'd better be sure to ask Mommy to tie it extra tight for her once she got downstairs, back inside her house. She might trip and fall. She might break her leg. Wishes didn't always work. Sometimes, bad things happened. Thanks again to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Because of your support, listeners around the world get creepy tales in their ears every other week. If you want new stories every week, the only way for that to happen is to join the Nightlight Legion by going to patreon.com nightlightpod and supporting this podcast. You can also make a one-time donation via PayPal at paypal.me nightlightpodcast. If you're unable to support us financially, word of mouth is the next best way to help. Give us a shout out online on Twitter or Instagram at nightlightpod, or like us on Facebook at Nightlight Pod. Reviews are also a huge help, so be sure to leave a few kind words on your podcast platform of choice. Audio production for this episode by Tanya Ransom and Ron Webb. And to thank you for listening until the very end, we have a creepy fact for you. Convicted killer Daniel LaPlante once lived in the walls of the home of one of his intended victims. It all began with him catfishing his intended target, a teenage girl his age named Annie. Despite lying about who he was and what he looked like, Annie still agreed to go on a date with Daniel, and quickly discovered that something was not quite right with him. Annie refused to go out with him again, and Daniel took up residence in the walls of her home, leaving her notes like, Marry me, and I'm in your room. Daniel even went as far as to create tunnels within the walls, adding peepholes in the home's bedrooms to observe its inhabitants. Join us next time for a brand new story, and be sure to leave your nightlight on, you never know what might be watching you in the dark.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.